Episode 29 of Religio Sanity. Back with Pastor Andrew. Mm -hmm. What do you have for us today? I, I thought that we can talk about uh, some dark uh, parts of uh, the Hebrew Bible. Oh, now we're getting back to oh the bread and butter. Uh, yes. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's it's our <laughs> our dark side of theology. Wow. Um, okay. I'm all, uh, I'm all even for this. Johannes de Silencio called it fear and trembling. Mm. And you might already guess that we are going to talk about human sacrifices. <laughs> no, I didn't guess that. But wow. Uh, Johannes Silencio is uh, a pen name for uh, Søren Kierkegaard. I was going to say, Fear and Trembling yeah. is, is Fear Kierkegaard. and Trembling, so the Fear and was, Trembling. And, that that. Is, uh, and of course, that's a known story, okay? Yeah. Uh, about Abraham and Isaac and how he goes to sacrifice uh, his son. Yeah. But I thought that actually ends up, at least in its biblical version, well. Happy ending, yeah. Happy ending, because there is that ram in the thicket and uh, that's, that's the end of it. But uh, you have another uh, human sacrifice uh, story in the Hebrew Bible, which get consummated or, you know, all the way through. Which one is that? I can start with reading from, from Johannes the Silencio. Okay. You know, once there was a man who, as a child, had heard the beautiful story about how God tempted Abraham and how he endured temptation kept the faith, and a second time received again a son contrary to expectation. When the child became older, he read the same story with even greater admiration, for life had separated what was united in the pious simplicity of the child. The older he became, the more frequently his mind reverted to that story. His enthusiasm became greater and greater, and yet he was less and less able to understand the story. At least in his interest, for that he forgot everything else. His soul had only one wish, to see Abraham, one longing to have been witness to that event. You know, and he continues, and then there are those uh, several alternative iterations, and of course the whole tractate continues, uh, follows. But, um, yeah, this is that famous story. Uh, with a happy ending, as we said. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the one with grisly ending is seldom mentioned. And that is the story of Yiftach in Hebrew or Jephthah in English and uh, his daughter. And that oh, is yes. in, in Book of Judges. Yes. Uh, he is one of the major judges. Uh, uh, and uh, from Gilead, uh, his mother was a prostitute and his father 
uh, was Gilead, uh, but <laughs> it can be even translated was the entire Gilead. Huh. Uh, or it depends, of course, you know, but um, uh, he was uh, exiled or pushed away as illegitimate son, uh, then invited back uh, to protect his tribe. And, um, and right before the war or the battle, uh, he made that uh, promise that, uh, God, if I return victorious from the battle, I offer you the first thing which comes through the door of my house. Yeah. To well, uh, you know, to welcome me. Uh, I'm now paraphrasing, but more or less accurately. And of course, he is victorious and he returns and uh, the first... Uh, comes his daughter through the door and he is obliged to, to sacrifice her. And uh, so, you, you know, this is, this is that story, uh, which is uh, uh, on so many levels disturbing. Yeah. Uh, oh, he, of course, when, when, when she comes uh, to greet him, he blames her. You know, that's the other layer there, you know. Um, although, you, you know, that whole promise uh, is built upon the premise that, uh, of course, the most loving creature in his home mm -hmm. would come first to greet him. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's a psychological logic almost. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, uh, people are different theologians are bringing forward different uh, excuses or explanations, saying that back then the houses uh, included stables, you know, or um, you know, livestock would live under the same roof, which is probably true. But uh, what does that have to do with it? Because the cow could come, because <laughs> the, or uh, a right. sheep, or uh, you, you know. But even so, you know, if if, if it was a dog which ran towards you, uh, as, as you, even though they they did not keep the dogs like we do, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, some kind of a domesticated animal that will be similarly tragic, you know, not putting human life. Uh, equal to um, animal life here, but uh, it would again tell you that that was a creature which clearly loved Jephthah or Yiftah yeah. so much that uh, was able to hear him coming from distance and would come to greet him. And so that would be tragic whichever way you look at it, you yeah. know, in that broader um, sense of things uh, but here is the the sacrifice of uh, of a daughter of Ichtak uh, the, another tragic part of it is that she is never really named mm. in the story so uh, only as a daughter of Ichtak or Jephthah so there are several layers there uh, of course uh, there are parallels uh, uh, to this story from the classical mythology of Iphigenia, mm. 
uh, as, as being sacrificed uh, in the context of war. Uh, actually, when they are trying to, Agamemnon and, and his troops try to leave for a war, but uh, it's, it's of us, it, it, it shares the similar logic here. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and, and there are more uh, common ground than normally meets the eye because um, with Iphigenia, they are lured in uh, with a promise of wedding you know, or father is giving out his daughter in marriage. Uh, and of course, that's just a ploy. But the similar theme appears with the daughter of uh, Jephthah, because she asks for time uh, to mourn her virginity, you know, mm. or uh, that is a part of the wedding uh, ceremony here also, the presence. So you, you see that these uh, two stories, as different as they might seem on the surface, because one is before the battle, one is after battle, uh, you, you know, and, and the, but they are actually in, in, in the deeper structural level, uh, very similar. Yeah. I, I, I would say this is a warning story. You know, don't make these kind of promises. Right. It was a dumb promise from from the get go. Yeah, yeah. Or you would uh, you would regret that. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, that that's that's one thing. And uh, it it's actually or at least shoot low, like like promise God the last person that will come to greet you. <laughs> For, see if you'll accept that. As a... <laughs> no. I, 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 and it's it's never required. That that's the other. I, I think that uh, that that's almost like an example of uh, the religious zealotry mm -hmm. is what makes religion dangerous. Mm -hmm. And and here you have an example. You know, he does not need to uh, promise anything. Mm -hmm. He. Uh, he is already uh, possessed by the Spirit of the Lord, uh, which we heard earlier in the story. So he, he has clearly God on his side, but probably for insecurity or the, he is making this promise. Uh, uh, and uh, th that's, that's quite characteristic, you know, that, that uh, our desire to be more pious than we are required to be is actually then our own undoing. You, you can find it in, in respect of the, what is called original sin in the Garden of Eden, when a um, woman there talking with serpent is making the whole the tree taboo, you know, even though the command was not to eat, you know, you can check it out uh, there. She is actually saying not even touching it, mm. you know, which is again a zealotry, uh, which is then the undoing because uh, then, then you know underneath that that's not what the command was. Yeah. 
And so you say, oh, well, maybe I can cross this because yeah. I made it up myself. And then yeah. you just, uh, you know, so uh, that, that is uh, that the human religiosity is, is the source uh, or trying to appear more pious mm -hmm. is what, what is uh, problematic. Yeah. And uh, as, as horrendous story as it is, uh, I think that it had similar uh, meaning in the broader context, like the story of Iphigenia, and that is actually to preclude, to uh, almost like through different means make human sacrifices illegal. Mm -hmm. You know, being a warning story about the dangers of mm -hmm. these kind of promises or of, of, of human sacrifices or something like that. So in, in both cultures, uh, in, in Greek culture as well as in uh, Hebrew culture, then these stories uh, led to abandonment of human sacrifices. Mm. So... Uh, you know, they actually fulfilled their purpose as as gruesome and, and dark as they right. might look. Uh, because of these stories, we don't do that right. these days. And, uh, you, you know, so... And it might, it might be hard for us now to even wrap our arms completely around what this story meant to them back then because animal sacrifices were being done. Mm -hmm. and, and we talked about it some time ago. Yeah, so like we're horrified by animal sacrifices now. Mm -hmm. So so like we're we're almost one step removed from how horrible that story was. So if if animal sacrifices are kind of the norm, then human sacrifices are like no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Just stick to animals. Now <laughs> we're kind of two <laughs> steps away from like <laughs> the whole <laughs> thing is insane. <laughs> so like we can't even imagine animals being sacrificed. So the idea of humans being sacrificed is so insane. You know what I mean? So I'm just trying to say that, like, it, it was on a different level, probably, to the people back then, right? Because but in a spiritualized way, mm. it is still so broadly present, uh, unfortunately, in, in Christian theology especially. Mm. It's almost unnerving uh, that, especially 19th century uh, Christian hymnody, for instance, is dripping with blood mm. and images of human sacrifice, uh, which is, of course, uh, human sacrifice of Jesus oh, on yeah, the cross. There you go. There you go, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, it's spiritualized, it's sublimated, or it's somehow transformed. Mm -hmm. It's made into theology. Uh, lifting up what is normally called substitutionary atonement, which was right. an invention of uh, middle medieval theology. Mm. Uh, and uh, then going completely wild uh, in Romanticism and uh, 19th century theology, where it became the focus you know, uh, blood of Jesus and uh, his death on a cross and, and, and so on. And that it is the sacrifice which sets us free mm -hmm. 
as if God needed any kind of human sacrifice. Here, it, it, we should really point back to these ancient stories that that's our invention. That's not how it, how it works or how it should work. Uh, God does not need any human sacrifices. God does not even need, as we know from prophets, uh, animal sacrifices. That's not on on God's radar. Yeah. You know, uh, if I wanted, I would tell you, but I'm not yeah. interested. You, you know, that's that's prophetic cry. You, you know, yeah. the, live justly. Yeah, that's what what really matters. Uh, uh, so. Uh, now, you know, because the sacrifices were taken away from the context in which they were, like we talked about it like two episodes ago or uh, something like that, uh, where, where it was uh, simply a reminder that we just live on account of other lives. Yeah. And they became an almost like a mechanic of... I give you this and I want something else back for that, mm-hmm. you know, almost like that magical uh, do u des. Yeah, something <laughs> for something. Yeah, because that's very, very common among the people, especially those simpler people. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I intentionally use that here because I think that that is the logic which unfortunately are say president is able to understand mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. and primitives uh, but the life is broader than that mm-hmm. and definitely uh, life in relationship with god is mm-hmm. broader than that it does not function like this and that is why prophets are uh, saying you know i don't care about your sacrifices and your fastings and mm-hmm. and you know holidays uh, uh, and and that is part of this uh, uh, human sacrifice and we can take it all the way to uh, you know that substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. that 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 is some kind of an skewed crazy logic I would say almost uh, pathological pathologic mm-hmm. uh, which entered Christianity and uh, is is just completely wrong. I I I, I would be horrified uh, to to live under the Lord, who requires human sacrifice so that they can reestablish relationship with with me or with humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just absolutely. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Idea of a new thing about it. How did this idea of sacrifice even start? This force, this God outside of our ourself, mm-hmm. uh, demands sacrifice. Sacrifice originally is a way of dealing with the guilt of killing an animal. Ah. Uh-huh. That's the original... Um, Uh, original logic, uh, at least for me, psychological. And this uh, do des, you know, quid pro quo, 
uh, is uh, coming afterwards or is like an overlaying over it uh, based upon the logic which I just mentioned yeah. that you know if you want to achieve something you have to sacrifice for it yeah you know and uh, it's almost like uh, you know it's it's not necessarily directly a matter of killing originally of those animals but it's 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 like a domestic feast hmm. and if you want to get uh, let us start really on a very very basic level now uh, there is some uh, anger or problem between you and your neighbor mm -hmm. and you want to smooth things up and so you invite your neighbor for a party Mm -hmm. and you throw a party for your neighbor and that is a way of smoothing things up yeah. now because we are killing the animal and the owner of the life is God God is invited to this feast with us and with your neighbor mm -hmm. And through that, God is becoming a witness to your smoothing things up with your neighbor mm -hmm. and is a, as well a participant in, in, this, uh, in this meal. Mm -hmm. So wherever you read about sacrifice uh, in ancient texts, I would almost suggest not translating it in our sense of as a sacrifice, because it's already too much detached from the original setting. Mm -hmm. I would suggest of calling it a party meal wow. you know, or, a or a feast. Wow. So he was throwing a feast. Because the meat is always eaten. Uh, most often, like in, in the case of human sacrifices, not, no. but, or probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the case of Jephthah, uh, it, it even says that it'll be uh, uh, Holocaust, you know, or offering in in flame, mm. you know. So it'll be complete burning uh, there. Uh, while uh, in many cases that would be exactly the case, especially with with. But even there, it is viewed more as a feast between you and God. Mm. Very interesting. So even if you, uh, I, I don't know how it is called in English, uh, burnt offering. That's the way English translates that. Mm -hmm. So it's a holocaust, you know, the, mm -hmm. uh, burning everything. Mm -hmm. You know, but even there, it is being considered to be uh, the that kind of, communal meal between you and God mm. where you burn everything for God because mm -hmm. that's your offering mm -hmm. no, but offering in that older sense like a feast yes you know so yes see that's interesting that helps that helps I didn't didn't think of it like that thank you thank you for bringing this offering mm. to us I <laughs> get it yeah, <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Until next time.